Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Colossians 1, verse number 9. Amen, amen, amen. Shall we read together? For this cause, we also, since the day we had it, do not cease to pray for you, and the desire that you may get land titles, four-wheel drive cars, <laughs> we desire that you might be filled, come on, with the knowledge of, of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May that be your portion today. I said may that be your portion today. Verse number 11. He says strengthen. Come on. With might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. There's a lot that you're going to receive tonight. But the one thing I know is your spiritual understanding is going to be shifted. Are you ready to receive the man of God today? All the way from Nigeria. These are my brothers now. All the way from Nigeria. I say, can you now put those hands together, yo? And let's welcome Pastor Maxwell. Stand up on your feet. Let's honor the anointing on the man of God with a big shout. Clap your hands. Uh-oh. He's not preaching until I feel the vibe. Come on now. Come on. We can do better than this. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You're welcome, sir. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Let's, let's lift our hands to Jesus. Let's honor our God. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all our honor. Father, we worship you. We cannot be here without you. We bow in adoration. We say glory, honor, power, and majesty be unto your name. Blessed be your name forever. In Jesus' mighty name we worship. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap one more time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's appreciate our pastor, Apostle Joshua. Come on, let's, let's give the Lord a hand. Praise God. I'm so, so excited to be here. And I just want to, I just want us to clap for the worship team. Uh, amazing. Amazing. Thank you for the spirit of worship. Amen. It's my joy to be here and I want to uh, appreciate God for the opportunity and uh, the saints of this wonderful church, and uh, our Apostle Joshua, and my uncle, Apostle Israel, who I came with. Let's, let's appreciate the Apostle. Amen. And uh, I also want to appreciate Pastor Mercy. She, she, she came all the way from wherever she came from. But I mean, it's a whole lot of energy for her to be here in this meeting. Praise God. I'm excited. How many of us are agreeing together tonight for an anointing? How many of us are coming into agreement? Amen. Amen. Let's agree together. Let's believe God 
for revelation. Let's believe God for insight. And let's believe God for understanding. Amen. Father, we come into agreement this evening. And we decree about the Spirit of God. That there will be an anointing in this service. Thank you, Lord, because I'm anointed to teach. And thank you because the people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I decree and declare that there is an anointing in this house for revelation, for insight, and for understanding. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Uh, I, I want to look at the, the subject of the conference is leadership. And it's important for us to understand that God created every one of us with the seed of leadership. And I'm going to be dealing with the subject of kingdom influence. And we're going to be looking at the life of Daniel. But I'd like you to go with me to Genesis chapter 1. It will be good to start from there. And I'll be reading verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. If you have the New King James Version, that would be beautiful. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion. It's important for you to understand that when God was creating the whole earth, he never consulted. There was no consultation. He created and God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be this and separated the light from the darkness. But when he came to man, there was this sense of consultation because what God is about to do is to initiate a family. And God was about to, to, to start God and Sons Incorporated. You know, God was about to start something that will begin in the heavenlies and end in the earth. And so God said, let us make man in our image. So we understand that why God had the purpose for creation, man was a creation of intent. Man was intentional. The, the, the creation of man was very intentional because God is now creating a man that would represent him. And representation is a big deal. You know, you don't mind if people misbehave. You only begin to mind if people misbehave when they represent you. I'll come again. If you hear that, well, somebody was arrested for stealing, you'll say, oh, bad guy. Ah, there are too many thieves in this country. But when you hear that your brother has been arrested for stealing, then it's a different story. Because what's going to happen now is that people are going to start introducing you by that guy. So do you know, do you know John? Well, I don't know John. Well, John that his brother was caught two months ago. Oh, that John that his brother steals. You now realize that when it comes to the issue of representation, it's not just about what you do because of you. It is is what you do for the sake of the family. And that's why you must understand that when God was releasing his disciples into the earth, he says, you are going to be my witness. What it means is that when people see you, they are now going to be able to refer to me. Are you understanding what I'm saying now? So he said, God created man in his image and his likeness. And he said, let them have dominion. Now, it's amazing that God now um, talks about 
fish of the sea, fowl of the earth, cattle, and over all the earth. Now, I, I want us to look at that phrase. Over all the earth. Over all the earth. Let's think deeply on that. You know, some I find out that because we are always in church and we have got this deep revelation and, I mean, we know this stuff, you know, sometimes we're looking for something very deep until we drown. And at this stage of my life, I don't want deep revelation without manifestation. You know, somebody, you know someone was telling me the other day, you know, I'm rich in Christ. I'm blessed in Christ. I said, well, thank God you're blessed in Christ. You're rich in Christ. Can you pay your rent? Because if you're rich in Christ, the wisdom of Christ should be able to help you pay your rent on the earth. So I don't just want people who are rich in the spirit and are broke on the earth. Because the spirit actually has more power over the earth. So if in the realm of the spirit you're such a man of stature, there should be a translation. Everybody say translation. We must learn how to convert things from the realm of the spirit into the earth. I'll give you an example. If a man says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you should be sleeping around. Oh, I'll say that again. If I say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I should not be sleeping around. Because the righteousness of God should superimpose itself on the earth that I walk like Christ on the earth. So we don't just want people who are the righteousness of God in Christ in the spirit and they mess up on the earth. Because man was created with the intention to have dominion over all the earth. And that's a big assignment right there. That's big. <laughs> that's really big. Some of us can hardly have dominion over our sleep. <laughs> and here we want to have dominion over the earth I mean having dominion over the earth is not just having dominion just in the realm of the spirit and I'm going to show you from the life of Daniel it actually means that we will have dominion over the systems of the earth the reason we all fight for the pulpit is because we haven't trained people that actually this thing about coming to church is training people for dominion in every area of life. In every area. Now let's read on. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them. How did God bless them? God said to them, let me take a bit of detour here. The blessing is transferred by words. The blessing is transferred by words. Every time blessing is conveyed, words are spoken. It says, and this is the blessing with which you should bless the children of Israel. You shall say, say to them. You shall say to them, may God bless you. And then he now says, and I will put my name on them. So blessing is always transferred by words. When Isaac was about to die and he was blessing Jacob, what did he say? He said to Jacob, I have blessed you with corn and wine. He didn't give him any physical thing. 
And that is why in Christianity, we value the word spoken over tangible things. Because the spoken word will create tangible things. For by faith we know that the whole creation was created by what? By the spoken word of God. In Christianity, high premium is placed on spoken words. High premium is placed on spoken words. And God blessed them. Now, and God said to them, and this, this is really interesting. Look at the first words man ever heard in his life. Be fruitful. Like the guy gets up and God creates this man. Stands up. Breathes on him. The breath of life. Stands up. First words he heard. Be fruitful. That's why no matter how people criticize no matter how people fight against fruitfulness in every area of life, deep within every human being is a desire to be fruitful. Some people can say, you know, we are the remnant, we don't care, but deep within you, something is crying that this is not normal. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Now, I was thinking about something, right? I was looking at this word and it says subdue it. And something tells me that if God is saying subdue the earth, it means that the earth, we're going to come, in, we're going to come into a season where the earth will actually need to literally like subdue it because it was, it, the earth was not going to respond to man. Subdue is a military word. Subdue is not a casual word. Right? Like if I say, I want to subdue this guy, it means, listen, I don't care whether you like it or not, I'm taking charge. Are you following what I'm saying? So sometimes our, our commandment of dominion and fruitfulness have to come with some level of energy, some level of aggression to say, listen, I don't care what systems of the world looks like, we have a mandate to subdue you and make the kingdom of this world the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And that's not going to be like a casual approach. We can't be casual and lead. We have to be deliberate. We have to be intentional. Praise God. We have to come to a place in our life where we say we're not taking no for an answer. Like Caleb and Joshua, we are possessed by another spirit that says we are well able to take over this mountain. Glory to God. We have some people in this house that said, glory to God. Say, subdue the earth. Go to Psalm 115 and verse 16. Psalm 115 and verse 16. We're going to go to the life. I just want to lay a foundation for what I'm going to share in this session and the next. Kingdom influence. Raising leaders. Psalm 115 and verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. Birth, the earth had he given to the children of men. Think deeply. Think that's that's big. <laughs> Let's see something. Psalm twenty-four, verse one. I know you look. I know you like Psalm twenty-three, but go a chapter after that. <laughs> Psalm twenty-four, verse one. The earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. And God says, you know what? 
The heavens are mine. The earth are mine. I'm going to give you a gift. I give you the earth. This is big. <laughs> this is big. Now, what is influence? Three definitions. Number one, the capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, or the behavior of someone or something. The capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, or the behavior of someone or something. Number two, looking at influence, it means to affect or change how someone or something develops or to change how someone or something behaves or to change how someone or something thinks. I'm really interested in that. It says influence is about changing the behavior, the character, or even the thinking of someone. So when God actually was telling us to also have dominion, he was actually saying, what I want is to carry the values of the kingdom into the systems of the earth and influence them by changing the way they think. Oh, come on, somebody help me. It means that, let's take for instance, you are a young girl or a young boy, and, 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 and you have a perverse societal degrading view of sex. You see, sex as something that's just for pleasure and you can have it anytime you have it. But then you, you as a leader get to meet this girl in school or this boy in school and start sharing the gospel with them and start teaching them about the values of the kingdom. And this girl all of a sudden begins to change the way she thinks about sex and sees sex as something that is sacred within the institution of marriage. What you have just done is that you have exerted kingdom dominion. Because you have shifted the way they think about that particular subject. The subject is still the same, but the thought pattern has changed. Let me use money. How many of us know that even as Christians, we still hold very worldly views about money? We still have a sense of accumulation as opposed to a sense of stewardship. So we still define ourselves by the abundance of things we have when God himself said a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he has. Come on, are you, are you following me now? Because we're looking at leadership. We're not looking at leadership. We're looking at leader what? Shift. We're making a movement on the new leaders that God is raising. And influence means that we're able to impart the thought pattern of people. Listen, if you can't change the way a man, a, a man thinks, you can't change anything about him. You know, so we are all African, so this is not about somebody saying we are African. Somebody asked me, oh, you've been to Kenya, you've been to Uganda. Tell me how, tell me how, how is Kenya, how is Uganda, how is Nigeria? I said they are the same. You find the same disorderliness, the same tyranny, same politicians who don't want to leave office, they rather die dead and hand over the battle. You find we are all the same. 
driving on the wrong side of the road, policemen harassing people. You know why? It's a thinking problem. It's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the continent. There's nothing wrong with Africa. Africa is blessed. It's the people. You know what? When you travel to developed nations, right? Travel to developed nations, and you come down from the plane, you see everybody, including the Nigerian, the Kenyan, the Angolan, the everybody, they're lined up. They're calm. They don't want to be deported. So everybody's walking on a straight line. Even if you push them there, they won't answer you. But immediately they are landing in their own airports. They are screaming. You understand that madness has started. The dog is unleashed. Hey, what is happening? No, hey, hey, what just happened? That man was not changed. His thinking has not been changed. He was only tamed. So until we change our thinking now, how do you know whether you're tamed or changed? If you are tamed, once the chains are off, the dog will come out. If you are changed, even when the chains are off, you still be held normal. What that means is that if you are transformed, even in the midst of a disorderly society, you have personal order. Then you know that you have transformed your mind. You are now living by the product of your convictions, not what is convenient. And what God wants us to do is to change people's perception, to change the way people think. When Jesus came, he radically confronted the thinking patterns of people. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is not just a ticket to get to heaven. Like I tell people, if some of us take heaven out of the gospel, you won't find people in church. Because some people are just looking for a ticket not to burn. Like if I become a Christian, I won't burn with the devil, right? Say, yeah, it's okay. So they, they are at the edge of how much sin can I accommodate and still make heaven? Do you understand it? Like, 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 can I just still, can, how much, like, how much, how much allowance can I make and still just make heaven? It's fine for me. Because I don't care about the thinking pattern of the kingdom. I just want to escape hell. And you know those Christians are called carnal. That's what Paul calls them. There's no dedication. There's no commitment to kingdom purpose. They don't see why they should be radically consecrated to the purpose of the kingdom. Because to them, kingdom agenda does not matter. They don't just want to spend the same room with Satan. You just want him to be my roommate. On my mansion near the mansion of Jesus. And they know enough Christianese to just fit in the crowd. Praise the Lord is hallelujah. Amen is amen. Glory is glory. Lift your hands. And they just know enough. And it's okay. I mean, you walk into the house of those people, they can have a hundred secular songs and fifty Bethel songs. They know how to mix these things. Like when we're in church, we can do the Bethel songs. Then when we go to school, we can just, you know, blend in. If the police were to arrest us as Christians, some of us would not have enough evidence enough to be convicted. There will be not enough evidence. Like, <laughs> not enough evidence. But that's not what God is calling us to. God is calling us to change the world. Do you know what? You know something? God is counting on us. 
Can I tell you something? God cannot do it without us. We are co-laborers with God. God is counting on us. He's depending on us. If people will have to get into the kingdom, it's through us. Angels cannot do it. Angels cannot do it on his own. We are partners with God. We are co-laborers. God is God says, pray ye the Lord of harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. This is a big agenda for God. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why when God finds a man that is willing, he will open the doors. He will give him the resources. He will back him up. Are you following what I'm saying? And that's what God is calling all of us to. A greater dimension of kingdom participation. And you know, this thing is not about us. You see, church is not about Apostle Joshua. It's not about his church. It's about God building. God calling us under a set man to build something that transforms the nation. When we see the nations, our hearts will weep. You know, sometimes we look at sin and we just like, see, you know, we look at sin and we don't know how bad sin is. Let me, let me explain how bad sin is. Let me give you a, a, a little explanation. I don't know how far it's true, but someone was sharing with me eh, that in this nation, for instance, you've got maybe like 300 babies dying daily thereabout because of the health care that is not so good. Let's even say they're dying monthly. Do you know what that means? Like 300 people. Let's even reduce the number. You know, like people die a lot around us that numbers don't matter anymore. Just like 50 people died. Ah, only 50. Jealous and like, ah, ah, it's okay, we thank God. That is it's 50. That's how our conscience. You know, like somebody steals government money and says this person stole like 2 million. In fact, I didn't know how deep it was in my heart until I traveled to Ghana. I was in Ghana a couple of years back and I was reading in the newspaper and somebody stole some money. And I read the money and I converted it to Nigerian money. It wasn't, you know, I told myself like, why is this guy making the newspaper for stealing such a money? Do you know, understand what has happened to me? I've been in the nation where people are stealing so much from government that somebody steals something. I'm not seeing that the stealing is wrong. I'm feeling like this amount is too small to make noise about it. Do, I don't know. I just, do, do you get what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? It just dawned on me that no, 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 no. This is not normal. <laughs> so let me give you this example. The reason those things can happen in a nation is because people who don't fear God are in the position of authority. And the reason they don't fear God is even though they have a Christian label, they are sinners at heart. Covetousness is in their heart. So they can steal from a nation and not feel anything. And so you see that because a man who has covetousness in his heart, he hasn't listened to what God said when he says, beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he possesses. He doesn't believe that. So he goes grabbing and grabbing and grabbing. And what is supposed to go to the health care goes into his pocket and out of his family. And about 50 to 100 babies die monthly. Those are babies with purpose, with calling, with an assignment over their life, and because somebody is not living right, those lives are wasted. That's the implication of sin. That's why the scripture says the wages of sin is death. It causes death on all ramifications of life. I want you to see the ripple effect of one man who is not living right. So what we're talking about when we talk about kingdom influence is not just the name Christian. We're talking about people who understand and who represent the values of the kingdom. Can you say amen?
So the second definition of influence is to affect or change how someone or something develops, behaves, or thinks. I'm very clear about that thinking. How the person thinks. Three, to cause someone to change a behavior. To cause someone to change a behavior. To cause someone to change a belief. To cause someone to change an opinion. I like that very, very well. He says, it, it, when we talk about influence, we're talking about causing someone to change their belief or their opinion about something. And you know, it's not very easy to cause people to change their opinion. <laughs> are, are you following this? Come on, are you following this? It's not very easy. But that's the task that God is giving to us. To change people's belief and opinion about certain things. Now, let's look at a man who did this very practically in the nation. Daniel. Daniel. We're going to read three verses of scripture. And then we'll build on from there. Go with me to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And verse 28. Daniel chapter 3, verse 28. You remember, in Daniel chapter 3, let's start from Daniel chapter 2, please. In Daniel chapter 2, and verse 46. Now, Daniel, um, um, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And we know, the, the king was bothered. Then what happened? Let's read Daniel chapter 2. Let's read from verse 16. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time. Everybody say time. That he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made a decision known to Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, his companions. Verse 16. That they might seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this secret. So that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Verse 19. Then it was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. You realize something was happening here. The king had a dream and the king was confused. He did not have an idea what that dream meant. And Daniel comes in. And, you know, Daniel comes in and asks the Lord to reveal the secret of that dream. And the Bible says that God revealed the secret of that dream to Daniel. Now, we must understand something. Daniel came into Babylon as a slave. He came as a refugee of war. He didn't come with a permanent resident. Daniel did not have a citizenship card. But Daniel had something in him. What did he have in him? He had the kingdom. The kingdom of God was resident in Daniel. He knew who he was. He knew that he was there on purpose. You see, we must know that we are on the earth on purpose. We must know that you are in Uganda for a purpose. You are in Kenya for a purpose. You're not just here because God couldn't make you a citizen of Australia or the US or Canada or UK. You are here because God has an assignment for your life that even though you look like a slave, there is a kingdom purpose on your inside that God wants to use to influence the nation and the nations of the earth. And so, let's go to verse 
um, 46. Let's go to verse 46. Look at this now. Verse 46. After he has given the, the explanation of the dream. Verse 46. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, truly, look at this, truly, the next verse, verse 37, truly, your God is a God of gods. What has just happened? What has just happened? Come on, what has just happened? The belief of the king about the God of Daniel has just changed. Influence has taken place. He said, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him gifts, and he made him a ruler over the province of Babylon and the chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Can you see what is happening here? He got promoted without writing an exam. But what I, what I like here is the fact that he could change the king's mind about God. He says, listen, your God is truly the God of gods and the Lord of lords and he is the one that reveals secrets. How did Daniel get that secret? Daniel got it in the place of prayer. And remember, the secret that God gave to Daniel was a secret that could solve the questions in the heart of an earthly king. You know, somehow we feel that the secret that God can show us in the place of prayer is just who is pursuing us. It's just about who the witch, who is next door is, the enemy in our father's house. We just feel that's the only secret God knows. Some of you, some of us actually think that the only thing God knows is the enemy that's after our destiny. God doesn't know anything about economy. He doesn't know anything about business. God has no clue. What God just knows is witches and wizards. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 28. Look at this. Again, this was a time when the king said everybody should bow. And then, man, these guys refused to bow. <laughs> oh, God. Come on, tell your neighbor you will refuse to bow. Oh, you didn't say it like you will refuse. Some of you said like, no, 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 no. Say you will refuse to bow. Do you know something? Do you know why we bow to the terms of the world? And do you know why we bow when the world brings all this temptation against us? Because we can't trust God enough to promote us in the midst of wickedness. We feel that if we don't compromise, we cannot gain the promotion. How many of you know Daniel shows to us an example of a man who in the midst of the wicked and the perverse generation held his forth and held his purpose and say, I will not bow. If we do not bow, we will not burn. Can I tell you something? God can keep you alive in the midst of famine. God can keep you alive in the midst of a wicked and a perverse generation. You can hold a righteous thought and say, I don't care what everybody in this world is doing. There's something different about my life. I will walk with integrity. I will walk with the word of God. Sink or swim. I'm not changing my convictions about the truths of righteousness. Look at what happened. Daniel refused to bow. 
They refused to bow. Verse 28. I like this. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went in the mount of the burning ferret furnace and spoke saying, Chedrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Chedrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors got out together and they saw these men on whose bodies, Kalobo Shantalabrakatoste, on whose bodies the fire had no power. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. There's some men who, you know, most of us want this. We want the fire not to have power in us, but we're the first to bow. We're the first to, you know. When he says born, or we're going to push you into the fire. Some people can say, you know, you know, life is about wisdom. Life is about wisdom. We can just pretend like we're tying our shoes. Our body might be bowing, but God knows our hearts. We are not bowing. Life is wisdom. Don't go and die. Just do as if you are bowing your shoe. In your heart, thank God, you are the only one about to. God, no, 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 no. There's something called radical righteousness. Where people are not confused about your stand, they know where you stand. They know that it's no sex before marriage. They know. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not we can kiss a little and smooch a little. You just make sure that it doesn't get inside of you. But it's okay. Just around you, it's fine. No, 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 no. Let people know. Listen, you know it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Because the world wants us to bow. I know what? When those temptations start coming to you, you know what the devil is going to do? He's going to point to you preachers who are missing it. And say, you know what? If this preacher did it, who are you? But then he's not going to point Joseph to you. He's not going to point people who are living righteous to you. How many of you know that every time temptation comes, the devil shows you somebody who is messing up? He doesn't show you somebody who is standing. He doesn't show you somebody who's doing the right thing. But that devil is a liar. We are having dominion over the earth. We are having dominion over the earth. God is raising a generation that is going to be radically righteous. And the world will not be confused about where we stand. They will know that we are people of purpose. They will know that we are people of power. And they will know that we are people of purity. Can I get an amen in this house? Yes. They did not bow. We cannot change the world if we compromise with the world. You can't change a world that is changing you. You can't change a world that is changing you. Because I see everybody saying, we are world changers. And I'm asking, who is changing who? We, we, to be a world changer is good, but who is changing who? If the world is changing you, you can't change the world. And letting the world change you is not wisdom, it's compromise. Is selling your birthright for a morsel of bread. Come on, are we, are we still together in this conference? Look at this. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not seen, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not in them. I like how God sets us up and stays with us when we get into the fire. Do you know before they got into the fire, God wasn't just with them. You know, sometimes we feel faith is only to get things. No, sometimes faith is ability to get into the fire knowing that God will show up for you. It's making that decision that looks like if I make this decision, I'm going to go down. But I don't care because I know God is going to keep his word. You know, when we read these things, sometimes I like to think of them. I, I, I think a lot. 
I like to think of them very practically. This was real fire. Come on, this was a real story. It wasn't a parable. It wasn't like Jesus said, let me tell you a parable about Daniel. No, these were real guys. It was real fire. The Bible says it was heated seven times that even the people who did the heating were burnt. This was real fire. Man, I tell you, if I was the one, I'd run. Let's, let's, let's for a moment ponder on the convictions of these men. They said, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're not compromising. These guys didn't have a church. There was no cell leader. There was no apostolic conference. There was no podcast. And you realize this, they didn't even have a Bible. But they had commitments. They had convictions. Now we have a Bible on our phone, a Bible in our bed, a Bible in our iPad, Bible on the screen. I mean, we've got Bible on audio, TV, television, radio, internet, Facebook, live stream. We've got everything and we can hardly have convictions. Rather, we have confusion. You don't need to know too much to do much for God. Just know a little and be convinced about it. Just know that God will supply your needs and you build a church with that. Just know that God will heal your body and cancer will die. Just know that the name of Jesus is more powerful than every other name and the doors of the nations will be open to you. It's not just about so much knowledge, but believing, believing. For this same gospel was preached to them, but they did not mix it with faith. God is calling forth a generation of fake men and women who will do the impossible again because the Bible tells us that by faith they subdued kingdoms. They quench the fairy dance. They shut the mouth of lions. The women received their dead back to life. They refused that their children would die. And they say, in the name of Jesus, you ain't dying. You're coming back alive. By faith, by faith, by faith, not by education, by faith, not by citizenship, by faith, not by the color of your race, by faith. If you will have faith, it will triumph over your citizenship. If you will have faith, it will triumph over the circumstances you're going through. If you have faith, if you have faith, the Bible says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, come on, a mustard seed faith is a mountain moving faith. And God has called us to move mountains. He hasn't called us to take a selfie with mountains. He hasn't called us to snap with mountains. He hasn't called us to describe how big the mountains are. God has called us to move mountains. If God tells you you can move a mountain, you can move a mountain. I dare you to put your faith to work. I dare you to move some mountains in your life. I dare you to shift some things in your life. And that situation that is impossible, it's going to become possible. Can I get an amen in this house? we're mountain movers I said we're mountain movers we're not afraid of problems we're not we're not we're not we're not wishbone Christians we've got a backbone of the word if the problem comes we will triumph over it I'm tired of Christians complaining of things against us if God be for us who can be against us so much of complaint Nobody's helping me. Uh, I don't have any helper. Well, you have the Holy Ghost. His name is called a helper. Praise God. Well, you guys got me preaching. Let me go back. Glory to God. Are you still there? Come on, I said, are you still here? 
And he told them that, man, these guys did not burn. Look at, look at verse 28 now. When Daniel chapter 3, verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. Oh. Look at, look at, look at that next line. And have changed the king's word influence. They trusted God and they changed the king's word. Do you realize in those days you couldn't change the king's word even if you were his wife? His words were law. But these three guys, they trusted God and they changed the words of the king. Oh, come on, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. We are going to be people of faith and we're going to change some words. We're going to change some policies. We're going to change some things, somebody. Oh, glory to God. And have changed the king's word. And yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own. They yielded their bodies. We're a generation that is preaching all about spirits and not talking about the yielding of our bodies. There are certain things your body should not if you are in the kingdom. You yield your body to God. I said you yield your body to God. And any boy who wants your body, it must be you yielding your body to God and God giving it to that boy. You yield it to God and God hands you over to him. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, for us, it's no sex before marriage. Yeah, I'll say it again. Because the amen gets lower when it gets to this. But come on, we have to call our generation back to purity. We have to call our generation back again to radical righteousness. We can't allow the world. The world will not be the one to change our words. We will be the ones to change their words. Can you say loud amen? That's influence. Verse 29. Therefore I make a decree that any people, any nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Chedrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no God who can deliver like this. It wasn't God say, it wasn't Elijah um, Shadrach saying, Oh God, cut our enemies to pieces. No, it was the king saying, Listen, if I find any person who speaks against their God, I will cut them to pieces. For there is no God who delivers like this. Now, the question is this How will the king know that there is no God that delivers like this except Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach went through that situation so God can show his deliverance? You know the challenge with us? We want to change the world, but we don't want to go through stuff. How will I know that God can provide if you're not living by faith? How will I know that God can heal the sick if you're not laying hands on the sick? How will I know that God can answer prayers if you're not praying impossible prayers? You know, we're only praying prayers that our uncle can answer. Oh God, I trust you for that rent is a hundred thousand shillings, but in case you don't have it right now, because I know that sometimes heaven's economy can go down. I know that sometimes when, you know, there are no dollars and Trump is the president, it can affect your angels a bit. But in case you don't meet up, I have an uncle that works in Shell. He'll be able to lend me that money. So I'm giving you from now to December 31st. 
If you don't show up by January 1st, I'm going to call my uncle. And God says, if you don't trust me with your whole heart, you will not see my deliverance. You must come up to the mountain and take your knife and be ready to lay it on Isaac. And when I see that your heart is in it, then I can show you the lamp that has been cut from the foundation of the world. Listen, there's no assignment that God has called you to that there's no provision already for it. Everything that God is putting in your heart, Apostle Joshua, this is a prophetic word for you. Everything that God is putting in your heart to do in the city, God says that there is a place for you. There is an anointing for it. There are provisions for it. And God is calling you this moment to stand up and take the mantle and run with the vision that's in your heart. Because before you go, there is a provision for it. Can you say amen, somebody? Yeah! There is a provision for our assignment. God is not cracking his head on how to take care of us. God is not cracking his head on how to sort us out. Before we were sick, he paid the price for our healing. Before we were broke, he paid the price for our prosperity. Before we came to that, to that road, God already made a way where there seems to be no way. Can you say amen, somebody? Glory to God. I said glory to God. They changed the king's mind. Daniel chapter 5. One more scripture and we'll begin to wrap up. Are you still here somebody? I said are you still here somebody? There's an anointing in this place tonight. Something is going to shift in your life. Something is going to happen to you. The spirit of faith as I preach is going to be impacted onto you. And some of you as you get into next year, you're about to take impossible places. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so ready for next year. I'm so ready for next year. <laughs> Glory! Woo! I'm so ready. Bring it on. Somebody says to me, what's next year going to look like? I say, well, it's a year. He said, what is God telling you about next year? I say, it's a blank check. It's going to be the way I call it. I, I, whatever I say, it's, that's how it's going to be. God is giving us the year. We decide what we're going to do with it. But you know what we're going to do with it? We're going to do mega things for God. We're going to win more souls. We're going to build more churches. We're going to give more and so more. And we're ready to even prosper more. It's going to be a mega year for us. Somebody say, what are your new year goals? My new year goal is just one goal. More faith in God. More trust in God. I'm not just believing for things right now. I'm believing for capacity. I'm believing for capacity. More grace. <laughs> Whoa. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 5, verse 11. The king again was confused. You know what I see? Every time there's confusion on the earth, God He's already placed the solutions in the heart of his sons. But you know the problem? When we see confusion, we complain also. Instead of, instead of going and saying, Lord, this is our time. This is it. Oh, this is it. There's confusion, but this is our time. Look at what happened. Another confusion happened. Daniel chapter 5. <laughs> and verse 11 to 12. Verse, verse 10. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lord, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your heart trouble you. Do not let your countenance change. Ah, I like this next verse. Oh God, help me. There is a man. 
He didn't say there is a God. Ah, every time I read this, I weep for my life. He said there is a man in the kingdom. In whom? It's not that there is a man who has jeeps. There is a man, he has one house in Australia, two houses in Dubai. He didn't say there is a man who goes to church. He didn't say there is a man who is an apostle. He said there is a man whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, you know why I know this message was on point? Is when apostle read the scripture behind the leadership conference. I knew that God has given me this word for this house. He says, listen, and in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. Who the king, Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, thy father made master of the magicians, astrologers, soothsayers. That is... <laughs> It was like all the herbalists in Nebuchadnezzar's region were under, they were in Daniel's department. But today, you find Christians going to read astrology news in the newspaper to check what their star is. What a shame. He says, the spirit of the gods was on him. Look at verse 12. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, explaining enigmas, were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. The queen was so sure. You know how some of us are going to get jobs? Somebody's going to call someone. I say, there's a guy in Kingdom Tabernacle. This problem you have, the guy has something. I don't know which school he went to, but there's something in his life. He will solve this. That's how you get a job without application. That's how you get a job and name your price. You know what Laban told Jacob? He says, name your price. Jacob said, this is not time to earn more salary. This is time to own. I'm moving from earning to owning. From tenor to landlord. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's, that's, that's how we will become governors without political partners. Solving riddles. Solving riddles. Look at this. Take, go, go, go up. Go the, the verse before. He said, dissolving doubts. Dissolving doubts. The government is confused. They don't know how to go. The, the king, and don't we see this happening in the life of Joseph? And yet we, we are bold to say these are Old Testament saints. Shame on us. Shame on us. We call these guys Old Testament saints that a whole nation, the queen said, don't worry, the guy will sort it out. Now you must understand, this was not recommendation given by believers. But it says the spirit in them is the spirit of the gods. That means they were functioning at the, the frequency of a God representation. Genesis 1.28. That when they do stuff, it is like God doing it. 
Let me just give you five keys quickly from the life of Daniel. Number one, we must become a people of intense prayers. Daniel said, give us time. Let's pray. God is going to show us the secrets. In the, in the book of Jeremiah, what does the scripture say? It says, call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things. We must pray. And the kind of prayer are prayers of inquiries. They are not just prayers of asking, oh God, bless me and my dog and my daughter and give me a job and make me eat well. They are prayers of, oh God, how can we transform our community? When we look at this continent, our hearts should bleed. 60 years of independence, 50 years of independence, we can't build a road. You, you, you think, you, you know, I've concluded that Africa's problem is not normal. It can't be normal. Do you understand? This can't, this can't just be normal. Something is absolutely wrong. That a government will be in existence, a country, a nation will be in existence for 60 years and still be taking loan. You know, if a man is 60, 59, most of African countries are between 50, something to 60. If a man is at 59, cannot build anything and still taking loan, you know that man is almost finished, except for divine intervention. They say life begins at 40. We have crossed that place. Our life didn't begin. We can't build roads. We can't put lights. We can't fight corruption. And you ask yourself, are we going to bring our children into this? And the people say, well, that's why we're going abroad to have a better life. The question is, can everybody run abroad? Thinking that way is also thinking of just yourself. We can't leave a continent like this. There's a mandate for us. There's a mandate. We must be the people that rise up and say, no, in our time, there's going to be light in this continent. There's going to be understanding in this continent. There's going to be wisdom in this continent. We refuse that Africa will be called a dark continent. It will become a continent of light. Both spiritual light and physical light. Praise God. Number two, we must learn to acknowledge the Holy Spirit within us. Most of us don't acknowledge the Holy Ghost. It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, the spirit of the gods is in him. The Holy Ghost is our biggest advantage. We must acknowledge every good thing with us. Number three, we must become a people of absolute consecration and resolute in our obedience of God. We must become preachers of consecration. We mustn't preach just for mammon. We must preach the gospel. We must teach the kingdom. We must become a people of consecration. God will not trust authority to people who do not have consecration. Are you still here? The next one, we must engage the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We must engage light. And then lastly, we must become a people of an excellent spirit. Things we do must be excellent. From the church, let's let this order stop. We have, we have very disorderly believers. Bring order into your life. Bring excellence into your own life. Tomorrow I'm going to talk about workplace engagement. Our excellence must not only be in church. We must take our excellence outside. On Sunday, sorry. I said tomorrow. Praise God. We must become a people of excellence. When Jesus wanted to feed 
the 4,000. You know what he told them? He said, let them sit down in group of 50s. He didn't say, let them stand. He said, don't, don't. He didn't say, all of you come here. Come, come, come. There's bread here. No, he said, sit down in groups of 50s. Order. Where there's no order, there can't be growth. Bring order into your life. Don't pray anytime. Have a time of prayer. Have a time of reading the word. Bring order to your finances. Don't just give as you are led. Also give as you planned. Because some of you have not been led in the last one year. Bring order. Bring order into your communication. Bring order into your dressing. Don't dress disorderly. God is preparing you for the palace. Don't dress like a prisoner. You know, when, when the king of Egypt called Joseph, the Bible says he quickly went to shave. <laughs> I need to close now. My time is up. He said, quickly went to shave. Why did he shave? Some of you, your beards are disorderly. Your beards growing here, beards growing here, beards. Shave it. Bring order to your beards. Let's see that your beard is orderly. That's why you're not getting married. <laughs> you know why he shaved? Because you can't dress like a prisoner and have a kingship position. After his wisdom, when the king would have turned and said, who can we put over this throne? He looks at Joseph. Say, you have the wisdom, but you are looking like a slave. Say, we're taking back to prison. Why will he think of what to do? So Joseph was ready. And by the time the king turned, he had the wisdom and he had the look. The Bible says the king quickly began to put it. Some of you have the wisdom, you don't have the look. You know, Joseph did, you know, if it is us today, you know what we're going to do? We say, leave the bears. When the king see us, he will really know we need help. You can't have a kingship authority with a victim mindset. Even in Africa here, God cannot call us to build big churches and governing churches with a begging mentality. That's why you see, you see an African pastor, his spiritual fathers are only in America. Even though the man in America does not have as much revelation as the man here. But dollars are, is actually his spiritual father. He's not the man, he's dollars. Victim mentality. Once you are black, you just feel, oh, once you are Uganda, you just, oh, once you are Nigerian, oh, I need help. Why do you always need help? You know, he would have appeared before the king and said, oh, king, after this interpretation, please, I beg you, I beg you, I am begging you, oh, king, please, please, don't let me go back to prison. Look for anything. Don't worry, take the dream, take the interpretation, take just anything for me to be free. I know what the king would have done. He would have maybe told him to be seven tables. Meanwhile, by destiny, he was meant to be the lord of Egypt. You know, that's what he told his father. He said, now God has made me the lord of Egypt. Some of you, you are not able to act out your dreams because you have a victim mentality. I don't care even if it looks like you are in prison right now. God has made you lord. God has put something on your inside of you. I don't care what your circumstances are. There is something inside of you. You might be squatting with someone right now. You might not be able to pay your transport to church. It might look like I don't even have anybody to help me. But child of God, the Holy Ghost is on your inside. The power of God is on your inside.
And there's an anointing in you. Let's be on our faith. We can't see ourselves that way anymore. We are children of God. We are sons of the Most High God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.